by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. That's in your Bible right behind the 22nd Psalm. <laughs> <sighs> All right, I'm going to read it out of the King, the King James Version. It's the one I memorized it in. How many memorized the 23rd Psalm? Anybody? Y'all want to try to say it together without looking? I mess it up myself, even though I pray it all the time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. There you go. I told you I always mess up something in it. <clears throat> Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us. See, I need some mercy. That's just an example for you. I like to use the illustrations. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was this little girl that jumped up at school and said she could say the 23rd Psalm, and her teacher just didn't believe it. You're only in the fourth grade. Surely you can't say that whole thing. She says, let me try, let me try. So she let her come up to the pulpit, and the little girl says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) And that pretty much captured David's heart for the whole psalm. And so the teacher couldn't say anything, but yeah, that was good. <laughs> David, David wrote this psalm. He was a shepherd, you know, so he knew where he was coming from. The Lord is my shepherd. He is. He's not going to be. He not was. He is my shepherd right now, and he's my shepherd, not just a shepherd. Amen? So uh, David was just a shepherd when God called him to be king, right? God loves shepherds. But shepherding is not for the faint at heart. First of all, most of the time they were out there in the wild with them all night. And that doesn't seem like any big deal. We're all adults. We're not afraid of the dark. Have you ever been camping alone and been in a tent at night? I was at Ark of Butler, and I mean, there's cars coming through and park rangers and other people everywhere, you know. And I'm in the safety of Ark of Butler Park, and I... And I had thrown a tent out there, and I was going to be out there with the Lord for a week, you know, and I was by myself that first night. And then I had my gun and my bat and <laughs> everything in the tent with me, you know. But when them, uh, not wolves, but what's them little coyotes started barking out there in the woods, and 
then an acorn falls on the tent, and you're like, you start seeing shadows, you know, and you start reaching for your gun. I'm telling you, it's a little spooky out there by yourself at night. I'm sure, you know, they were more used to it back in those days. One time, I, w I had this pop-up tent. Don't ever buy a pop-up tent. Them things are terrible. You're always popping them, popping them up, popping them down, popping them up. You got to put your stuff in, pop them up. You got to get your stuff out, pop them up again. You know, it's just, you get there, you, you pop them up four times on a, on a two-way trip. But anyway, I had this thing popped up because I didn't want to pop it back down in my backyard. And it, I went out there, and we were playing cards in the, on the little table out there or something, and it started raining. And uh, I said, well, how bad could it be, you know? And it, the rain couldn't get in, but then it started thunderstorming. I don't know if you've ever been out actually outside during a thunderstorm. It's a little bit different. The thunder is a little bit louder. And the rain was, and the, the thing was doing this here. Guess who went in the house? I was going to try to brave it out, but no. So when you're out there and you're shepherding, you're going to be in the elements and uh, storms and lightning. I have a whole, whole bunch of stories about storms and lightning I could tell you, but I'm not. And then you have to face the wild beast. You know, uh, the, the Bible tells us that, that David, uh, he killed a lion and a bear protecting his sheep. Can you imagine? I saw, saw a video of... Uh, Two guys chasing away a leopard on Facebook the other day. Did anybody see that? With like a sticks and stuff? Crazy. I've been to the Memphis Zoo, and I don't care if they got a 20-foot moat and like electric fence or whatever. If one of them lions starts looking at me, I say, okay, dude, I'm, I'm going back in over to the monkeys. You know, them things scare me, and especially that big baboon. But I like to stare him down. You know, me, I give him the evil eye, and he just sits over there and looks at me funny. But, I, but tell you what, I wouldn't cross that moat for all the money in the world. I don't like uh, wild animals all that much. Maybe, maybe you do, but I think just the sheep would scare me. <laughs> Y'all you know, go on. I'd be a good shepherd, you know. But a good shepherd, we're going to talk about some things that a good shepherd does. A good shepherd, first thing he does is he feeds the sheep. And I know of another good shepherd who fed 5,000 sheep at one time. Another time he fed 4,000 sheep. And uh, our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, he feeds us with his word. He's the bread of life, right? And as pastor, I hadn't missed many meals, you know. And another thing, a good shepherd will always water the flock. Uh, that's why it says he leads us beside still waters so they can get them a good drink, you know, without being whisked away in the tide. Jesus said in John 4, 14, those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now that's some good sounding water, isn't it? That, that woman at the well, she says, give me this water that I can drink, you know, so I never have to come and draw again. Back then, they used to have to, you know, go to a well and pull the bucket of water up. No telling what had died in there the night before. Aren't you glad we live in the, the 21st century? <laughs> Another thing that a good shepherd does is he grooms the sheep. You know, he pulls the parasites off and the lice and so forth. And Jesus keeps us unspotted from the world. He tries to Clean, clean us up and keep us from contamination, so to speak. 2 Corinthians 6.17 6, 17 says, 
Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. God's saying, I got a better plan. How, how about you come out from among them so that you can come back and welcome them into the family? Because if you're in there with them, you're just going to get spotted and contaminated by them. You know, their sin will, will more likely rub off on you if you're compromising with them than if you, you step back and then you can come in with, with the perspective of helping them and not compromising with them and being spotted by the world. Jesus grooms us. In 1 John 1, 7 it says, But if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So that blood is supposed to wash away our sin. It's supposed to keep us white as snow, groom us. Uh, good Shepherd shears the sheep. I was trying to find a good sheep video, and I couldn't find one. But they, they did have this one sheep I saw in there. He was about this big. I mean, he was about that wide. They had found him in the wild, and he had never been sheared before. And they said he was at the point of death because he couldn't carry so much wool that it was on his back. It was about to smother him to death with his own wool because he had never been sheared. See, the Lord, he rebukes, and he disciplines, and he encourages us to be better. And that's the kind of things that shear us, you know. He prunes us, so to speak. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. In John 15, 2, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. So there's a constant pruning goes on in our lives. If you let it, God will always be cutting back. You know how it is. You know, every spring you have a garage sale. And you get rid of all the junk you bought at the garage sale last summer. <laughs> and then you... You go back, and then by the end of the summer, you've collected it all back again, and God says, wait a minute, you know, next, uh, next spring we're going to have to prune again. But it's the way in our life. Um, God doesn't deal with all our junk all at once, you know. There's, there's a pruning process. And even if, if we got most of our stuff together, he still, he, the, the positive things we're doing, he prunes us and he makes us do more positive things. Because if you prune a, a, like a grape vine or something, it grows back stronger. And so we'll always be in a process of being pruned if you submit yourself to the shears of the Lord because Hebrews 12, 6 says the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as a child. So if you're his child, you'll be experiencing the discipline of the Lord. He just loves you too much to leave you like you are. And a good father will do that, you know. He who spares the rod spoils the child. There's something in there about beat them lest they die or something. I don't know, but I remember that one. Don't quote me on that one. The good shepherd leads the sheep, doesn't he? Jesus leads us by the Holy Spirit, by his word. These are the voices of our good shepherd. You know, it says we hear the voice of our shepherd. This is how you hear his voice. He begins to lead you by this. So many people don't read their Bibles today, professing Christians. Maybe there's somebody in here today, and I won't look, I'll, I'll look way up there. And uh, we never read our Bibles, and we think that we're getting fed just enough at church or whatever, or we've read it before and we know it all. That, that is, mm. look, 
I read the Word of God because it speaks to me. It's, it's not a dead letter. It's not something that you read once and I've heard that. It's alive. It's quick. It's sharp. It's powerful than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder the soul and the, and the spirit and the joint and the marrow. It gets down in and digs in your life and shows you what's right and wrong. You've got things coming up. You know, it'll begin to speak to you. God will give you a verse and it'll just be ringing in your heart all week long and he'll be just setting up examples to show you what he's talking about and that's how your life becomes alive unto god it's that's how you follow him his word is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet so let it shine in your life you're just walking in darkness i mean that's why they called it the dark ages you remember because the catholic church had taken the word of god and turned it into some language that nobody understood latin and and wouldn't give it to the people and they were withholding the Word of God so that they could have the power to dole it out as they saw fit. And that was completely wrong. And they called it the Dark Ages because the light of the, the world wasn't able to go out to the common man. And now we have them on sale at the dollar store for a dollar. <laughs> and and we, everybody's got five or six of them in your book tray right now on your coffee table. But yet we just take it for granted. I guarantee you, if I lived on a a deserted island somewhere? If I had one book that I... Oh, it, it, no question it would be this book. In fact, if I, had, if I was on a desert island with a chance to get off in five years and I had a million dollars in my suitcase, I would trade that million dollars for five years with the Bible. You see what I'm saying? This book is precious, and we have to see it as such. So he leads us by the voice of his word and that Holy Spirit that he's given. You see, when you got born again, the Holy Spirit came into your heart. And it enabled you to, to see this with spiritual eyes. You know, it's the Spirit that discerns the things of the Spirit. The Spirit of God discerns the things of the Spirit of God. And this book is spiritual. It says it's foolishness to the unbeliever, but it comes alive to us. So, if you, you know, ask God to help you see it. Maybe, maybe you're saying, well, I've tried to read it, and these and thous, and all that King James language scares me. Well, that's why I preach out of New Living Translation, quite honestly, because I don't want to make it difficult on anybody. Get you a translation that is a word-for-word -word from the Greek and Hebrew, but is a, is a good translation in modern-day English, and they're out there. I suggest the, the New Living Translation or something like that be good for you. Psalms 32, verse 8. I'm using a lot of scripture tonight, so y'all bear with me. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, and I will watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. See, God's trying to lead you and guide you by his word. And apparently, sheep must be at least smarter than a, a horse or a mule, because it says here, don't be like a senseless horse or a mule. Another thing that uh, our good shepherd does he he gathers strays you know Matthew 18 12 said if a man has a hundred sheep you know and he one of them wanders away he's gonna leave that 99 and he'll go find the one and you know sometimes it might be me that's the one you're saying well I would never but yeah we do we live a long life you know you may get saved in your 20s and by the time you're 22, it seems like you've been saved a long time and you, you can get off track and life is ups and downs and, and valleys and hills and ebbs and flows and it comes and goes. 
Life comes at you fast and from all kind of different directions. You're not in the same place that you were five years ago mentally. In fact, some of you are not in the same place right now that you were when you came in the door tonight. <laughs> really, I mean, you may have already gotten mad and you're thinking, there he goes again. He's calling me a sheep. Really, I mean, that's how fickle the human condition is. We're up today, down tomorrow, and we don't even know why sometimes. It might just be a chemical imbalance. It might be from the burrito you ate. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. So, what was my point? Sometimes Jesus has to gather us back in, too. So don't think you're always in the 99 that's doing doing well, it's good that he gathers us back. And you may know some people that need gathering back now. Pray for them. The good shepherd protects those he loves. Psalms 34, 19 says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue every now and then. Anybody paying attention? For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Our good shepherd, ever vigilant. Psalms 121.3, he will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. He's not taking a vacation. He's not gone to the bathroom. He, he, he's always there when you call. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as you... Your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord watches over you as you come and go, both now and forever. And you know what? I like that word forever. With pertaining to the Lord Jesus. He's watching over you forever. And that's comforting. You know, because a shepherd is on is he's not like three hours on and three hours off. He's He's there with the sheep, and the entire time he's with the sheep, he needs to be vigilant. Even when he's asleep at night, he's got one eye open. They said the shepherds would, you know, sleep with the flock at night, but they always have to be vigilant, you know, in case the wolf comes, in case, you know, a bear comes or a lion. And guess what? Our Lord Jesus never sleeps or slumbers. He's always got your back. And he, my favorite is that he cares for the sheep. That's why he does all this. Matthew 9, 36 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. When he sees some sheep without a shepherd, he goes to them. He has compassion. He wants you in his flock. Isaiah 40, 11 says, He will feed the flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms and holding them close to his heart. He will gently Lead the mother sheep with their young. That just you know you see them in those pictures. That's probably where they got that from. Him carrying the little lamb, you know, close to his heart. And that's the way he feels about you. Of course, in all these scenarios, we're the sheep. And I know we don't like that, but we can be offended or we can just get real. Because I'm fixing to tell you what the sheep are like. <laughs> Here are the characteristics. Of a sheep, or a sheep, a lamb, or a sheep, okay. Sheeps. Here are the characteristics of a sheep. 
dumb. <laughs> I didn't say it. Yes, I did. Dumb. Like a sheep before the shearer, they are dumb. That's what it says in the Bible. You've heard all my stories, right? You've heard all the stuff I tell myself. Dumb. I'm dumb. I'm still dumb. I look at myself and I say, why do you put up with me, God? How can I be so dumb? Human beings are just dumb. And we're slow to learn. We make the same mistakes over and over again. Some of you know what your mistakes are. It doesn't matter. You do it again. Dumb. Demanding. Always bleating about something. Meh. Can I have some of your coffee? Meh. You know, it's like demanding. We want our way. You know, if somebody takes an extra 10 seconds in the line at Walmart, oh, yeah, pull your checkbook out. You know, you're, you're just going to get mad at them. And you get demanding. And uh, I've, se I've seen some Christians in, uh, in a restaurant or something, you know, and how they treat the waiters and waitresses. Come on, guys. Where's the love of God in that? Angie, you've been in the restaurant business for many years. Didn't you once tell me that like on Sundays that, that most restaurants hate Sundays worse than any other day because that's the day that the Christians come? And they're more demanding and they tip less. And they're really quite rude. I know that's not real Christians, but professing Christians. And I know that's not none of us. Man, we are to be the, the tippinest, most forgiving. I've, I've learned to just relax because when they make a dumb mistake, I can identify. You know, I know I would do the same thing. And so... Everybody in here believes me except the sound booth because I'm always on their case. <laughs> look at that look at me. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just working with you guys. I'm, we're, we're working together. And stubborn people are, I mean, uh, sheep. <laughs> sheep. We're talking about sheep. They're stubborn, aren't they? Got to have their way. You can't get them to do anything you want to do. It's like herding cats. You know, you get one in line and you turn around and the rest of them are gone and you go get that one and you're, you're just chasing your tail trying to, to herd a uh, sheep. They may follow you, you know, if you're enticing them with something, but they will never be pushed. You can't push anybody. In it. And that's good to know when you're trying to witness to somebody. You're not going to argue them. They're, if you're arguing with somebody while you're witnessing to them, guess what? They've already cut you off. And all they care about is winning their argument. And if they lose the argument, they're so mad at you that they're not going to be saved anyhow, even if you, you tell them right. We're just stubborn people, and uh, we have to be led. And so we need, that's why in the Christian faith, we need real leaders, people that can motivate, inspire, and just, you know, show you the glory of God, show you God's plan so it becomes real and, to you because this is real. God is real in the things that he does. Man, that's, that's where you really want to be. And so we want to uh, try to encourage people and be real leaders. Um, sheep are always straying. We, we talked about that a while ago. You know, they wander off from the faith sometimes. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way because, quite frankly, 
the Bible says every man's right in his own eyes. And women too, probably. You know, we, always, we think we're right, and that's part of being stubborn. You know, we just think we have it all together. And so we're in this, this state. I wrote some other ones down. Unpredictable. You know, who knows what we're going to do next. We're copycats often. You know, if one person does it and becomes a fad, we all do it, whether it makes sense or not, you know. Name a fad that, that you can't believe everybody, you know. Tight leather pants, yeah. Mullets, I don't know if anybody did that. Bell bottoms and, and lava lamps and bean bags and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Saggy pants, yeah. <laughs> so, see, we just copycat each other. Somebody comes up with something really, most everybody else thinks is stupid until everybody starts doing it. And they say, well, maybe it ain't that dumb, I'll do it too. And then 10 years later, you see yourself in a picture, you know, with a big sombrero on or something. You're like, what? And uh, sheep are totally dependent. If you just let a sheep go by himself, he probably won't survive long. He needs somebody to lead him to that green pastures and to lead him beside the still waters and to, and to protect him with his rod and his staff. Basically, sheep are high maintenance, and they think they're low maintenance. Anybody see when Harry met Sally? <coughs> Excuse me. Defenseless, too. We really have uh, no defense apart from our shepherd. If we're not in with the shepherd, we're really at the mercy of this world. We're at the mercy of the devil, the wolves. I'm sorry, but the truth had to be told on these issues. We're just not easy to deal with as people. And I, and I do wonder, I said, like, God, why do you put up with us? Why, what are, like David said, what is man that thou art mindful of us? I mean, why do you look down and, with affection? If we're, there was a few things I didn't say that it said about real sheep, that they were um, nasty and dirty and ugly. I didn't say that one. I would not say that one, but I just did. But, <clears throat> but I don't think humans are dirty and nasty and, and ugly, but... But some of them are. And, and, what, and God loves them too. Why, what, if we look at our lives, we say, what do we have to offer God? He, he has the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one sitting on the throne. Whatever he utters from his mouth comes true. He created the universe. He could recreate it if he wanted to. He, can, he could create a bunch of perfect people if he wanted to. But yet he loves us in our flawed state. We have a good shepherd. Say, good shepherd. John 10, turn there, and I'll, I'll stop being mean to everybody for just a minute, talking bad about the sheep. There was this other joke that I didn't put in here that I started to tell. Probably just better if I forget it. Something about a guy saw an 18-wheeler full of sheep, and he yells up at the driver, and he says, he said, that's a different way to lead the sheep. He says, sir, I ain't a shepherd. I'm a butcher. <laughs> so, John, chapter 10, verse 1. Hmm. You want to talk about a good shepherd. 
This is Jesus talking. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. In other words, the father is like the gatekeeper, and he lets the shepherd in. The shepherd can go in and, and talk to, and lead the sheep. And who is the shepherd? It's Jesus. And the sheep recognize that shepherd's voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Isn't that a tender picture that he, know, he, he has names for the sheep, even though they all look alike? <laughs> but he knows each one of them, and he leads them out. Out of what? Out of the pen, out of captivity. He's leading them out to that green pasture and that still water. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. See, he's not, he can't push them. He walks ahead of us. He goes before us. And they follow him because they know his voice. In other words, they see his goodness. They recognize that he legitimately and really cares. And we know if we follow him, everything is going to be all right. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. In other words, I am the one who opens for you and gives you freedom. I'm the gate. You can't, you can't have any freedom unless I swing it open for you. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And he proved that. And I think that's why he liked David so much. As you know, David sacrificed his life when he was out there, maybe in the darkness, fighting a bear. And I mean, not just fighting it off, but killing a lion and a bear. Fighting it to the death to save his sheep. Man, if that didn't touch, I mean, I think that touched Jesus' heart when he saw that. A little young boy, too, a teenager. Out there, no acclaim, not everybody watching just taking care of his sheep the same way Jesus does. Man, that must have touched Jesus' heart. What about us? What if we begin to take care of God's sheep like that? A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. He's just doing it for a paycheck. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money. And he doesn't really care about the sheep. I, on the other hand, am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. And they are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. I believe he means the, the other nations. He was talking to the Jews at the time. I believe he means the Gentiles, us. The, the non-Jews. He says, they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And I'm so glad that he sees it like that. You know, the, the Jews were his chosen people, and he chose to, to give his law to and to use as an example. But it was an example for all mankind. 
that all who call upon his name can be saved. And there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek and, and so forth and the Gentile. We're all in one flock because of our faith in Jesus Christ, and we all serve one shepherd. So the point of tonight's message, I've talked about, what have I talked about? I talked about what makes a good shepherd. I've talked about what the sheep look like. I talked about we have a good shepherd. The real point of tonight's message is to say this. God wants us all to mature and to move from just being mere sheep to becoming shepherds in our own right. Well, how can you do that? A sheep never becomes a shepherd. Well, we will never be the great shepherd, but God calls each of us to begin to care for one another, and he does, you know, say that, that we can shepherd one another. You remember uh, when Peter had denied Jesus three times, and man, he was really feeling down, and and uh, Jesus resurrected from the dead, and then they, he, they saw him on the beach that day while they were out fishing, and Jesus, uh, Peter was so excited he jumped out of the boat and he swam to Jesus, and they, they had a meal together, and he was just, you know, he, I, I guess he was probably a little hesitant. Well, he wasn't hesitant to jump and go see Jesus, but he didn't know how to act because the last time Jesus saw him, he was denying him, and the rooster was crowing. And, uh, but Jesus restored him very tenderly. And what did he say? He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I do. He says, well, go feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Go feed my lambs. Do you love me? You know I love you, Jesus. Well, go feed my sheep. What is Jesus telling him? Peter, you've been a knucklehead. You've been a sheep. You've been hard-headed. You've been dumb. You've done all. You've been down that road. It's time to make a transition. Instead of being a sheep, I want you now to be a shepherd because, look, Peter, I'm going away. And you remember when I told you you were going to be the rock on which I build this church? And so God wants us to transition from being just a sheep mentality to being actual shepherds ourselves. And you're saying, well, you know, I, I think that's just pastors or so forth. But no, it's not. It's not. You shepherd your family, Right? If you're a mother, you shepherd over. Don't you feel like Jesus when he walked into Jerusalem? You feel like a mother hen that just wants to gather her chicks under her arm? Right? That's shepherding. God loves shepherds. It was to the shepherds watching over the flocks and the hills that he first revealed the birth of the Lamb of God. See, he was, Jesus was a shepherd and a lamb. Oh, I just got that. Fresh hot off the press. He was a shepherd, and he was a sheep too. He was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. And when he was born, the lamb of God, the first person that, to find out about it, the angels appeared to the shepherds out in the hills. Awesome. God loves shepherds. And because of David's faithfulness as that shepherd, God made him to shepherd a nation. Made him king. A shepherd over a whole nation, Ezekiel 34, 23 says, And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. He's just looking for somebody with that kind of heart. For other people. Acts 20, 28, if you'll turn there talking about are we moving from being a sheep to a shepherd 
Acts 20 and verse 28. It says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. In other words, pay attention to what's going on in your life, but to pay attention to the flock, too. You know, we would be considered a flock. Tonight, you know, God would say, there's my little flock in Horn Lake. Pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock and over, to, over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. So, there's not just the devil we got to deal about who roams about like a roaring lion. We got ravenous wolves that come into the church too. And we have to watch over each other. And, and you may not be a pastor, but you have a flock somewhere whether you're a parent or you're at your job or any influence that you have in people's lives, if you have that mentality that God has, shepherd over them. You say, well, I, 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 I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, let's go back and revisit what a shepherd does. A shepherd feeds. So what I would say is learn the Word of God. You're here tonight, you're learning the Word of God, and now you can teach it to someone else. You feed someone else. You feed someone else the bread of life. Buy your pastor a meal. That's feeding. <laughs> well, that's a good, that's a, no. A good shepherd waters. So be filled with the eternal fountain of living water so that wherever you go, you're just splashing off on people. You know? So, so many of you are so joyful. I mean, every funeral I've been to lately, Brother Don is there just to laughing, and he lightens the whole funeral. And I, I mean, people, and it's, it's not in a disrespectful way. He brings joy, even in, in the darkness, in the darkest darkness. Not to mention what he does at you know, a men's meeting or something. He really gets wild and crazy. But he's always splashing over with that, that water of the Holy Spirit that, that leads and guides. <coughs> course a shepherd remember it grooms so that means we should disciple people coming up in the faith help pick the parasites off of them you know help them because uh they've got a whole bunch of junk clinging to them from the world they're spotted they're contaminated and so we're, you don't go and say run them off no you're welcoming them in you just don't want to them to rub off on everybody else so you begin to help them you know we we have teaching and, and the word of god begins to clean us up. It's the, we're washed by the water of the Word of God. And so you begin to speak the Word of God in their life and show them a better way. You take somebody under your wing and disciple them. And, uh, of course, there's the shearing. We're supposed to help shear each other, and that's the same way. You, you uh, teach them how to live free. You can't run your race well down here if you're all hairy. Right? That big sheep, it couldn't run no race. If you've grown too hairy, hairy with the weights and the sins of this world that so easily beset us. You know, joggers, you see them, they're wearing them little tight shorts and I'm embarrassed for them, you know. And, and why is it? Because they don't want some big floppy shorts, you know, working like a parachute in the wind, keep, you know, holding them back. You see swimmers, they shave their entire body and wear a little cap. 
I've got a, a nephew. He's got one of those curly froes, you know. And I'm like, if he went swimming, that'd work like a parachute. He'd, he'd probably drown. He couldn't swim underwater. It's like a seine net or something. But we gotta, we gotta, we gotta slim down. We gotta be in shape, and uh, encourage people to be free in the Word of God. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Dadalactic, 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 dak dak dak. The shepherd leads his people. We're called to be leaders. Your family, at your job. And uh, in one place it says, Woe unto them that lead God's people astray, or God's little ones astray. So don't be teaching others the wrong thing. Teach them the right thing. You know, people are listening to what you have to say if you, if you, cl you claim the name of Christ. They're really judging you and watching you closely. But that's okay. Why should that bother us? It should spur us on to do good because we care because our witness, you know. Some people say, well, Pastor Guy, it says in the Bible, you know, that Jesus turned water into wine and they have, they, boy, they, they know them scriptures about alcohol better than any scriptures in the Bible. They have really studied this thing out, you know. Well, God made marijuana, you know, but God didn't say smoke it. You know, they, they know all these scriptures about the certain things, you know. But let me ask you this. Can, you go to witness with somebody with a beer in your hand, what are, are they going to take you seriously? So if that's ruining your witness, if Jesus came back, would you get, grab a beer? Here, Jesus, get you one. You know in your heart that you can't reach anybody, that you can't be a witness for Jesus the way you're supposed to be if you're doing those things. It, it, like I've always said before, don't see how close you can get to the cliff without jumping over. See how close you can get to Jesus. Life will go so much better for you. Don't be trying to find ways into doing wrong. Okay, another thing. We gather strays. We go into the highways and byways and we invite people to church. You know, Jesus told that parable about he had prepared a banquet for the people and they, the people that were supposed to come all made excuse and wouldn't come. He said, go into the highways and byways and, you know, just compel people to come. And uh, that's the way the gospel works. We're trying to get people to come to the banquet. <clears throat> we go into all the world, we preach the good news, we make disciples. And another way is we confront brothers or sisters who are in sin, you know, who are straying away. We go get them. James 5, 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brought that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. That ought to be, man, that ought to, we ought to all just get that tattooed, you know, right there. Wow, you know, I'm just kidding. But we, we are to care enough to go get our brothers who are straying away. And when we see one another, you know, man, you're really getting a little far out there. Brother, why don't we go to lunch together and let's talk about your direction of your life because, you know, there, I once saw a fire and now you know, it, it ain't there. Because one who does that 
brings that sinner back from wonder and will save that person from death because the wages of sin is death. And we've got to care enough. I mean, how do you say this? Christians are so polite. We are so polite, especially when, you know, being unpolite would, would cause some courage to have to rise up in us. We don't need to be so polite. We need to be courageous and save souls. We need to stop trying to be so polite and use that as an excuse to sit and say nothing and do nothing. Because a shepherd also protects. We watch over each other in prayer and with the five-fold knuckle ministry if we have to. We watch over. We got each other's backs. We're ever vigilant. Some of you are saying, man, I, I got so much going on in my life, I don't have time to watch over somebody else. I need rest. I know, and I know I'm tired too. It's been a really busy week. Been a couple busy weeks. And man, you ask Angie, I didn't have a message at two o'clock this afternoon. Just didn't hadn't got to it yet. And then I got all this. God's gonna help you. God's gonna help you. He will he will, you know, if I didn't have a message, I I'm hundred percent confident the Holy Spirit can come up here and just talk through me. 45 minutes you know God's got our back and I know we're getting tired some of us have been at this a long time and you go through periods in your life or whatever but now's not the time to rest now's the time to get on fire you know so much more excite one another when we see Jesus approaching the day's coming he's almost here I can almost hear that that trumpet warming up in the background you know He's knocking at the door. Can't you hear? Jesus is about to come back. This isn't the day of rest. We keep saying, but I need my rest. You know, Jesus is your rest. Jesus is your rest. He is your Sabbath day rest. And look, there's coming a day of rest. You can have a billion years when you get to heaven to rest. But today, your soul's dying and going to hell. Today is not the day of rest. So stir yourselves up. Don't be weary in well-doing. There is a job to do. And I know I get tired, but we got to press on. We got to press in. God's calling us to watch out for each other's back and to care for the sheep like He cared for us. The first commandment, the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. But the second one is just like it to love your neighbor as yourself. And we got to love the other sheep. Shepherding is not the work of the faint-hearted. It's not. And it's, it's, it doesn't pay well. It, you, there's no, not a whole lot of accolades. You're not getting cr congratulated and patted on the back all the time. It's hard work. It's staying late. It's getting there early. The work of God is hard. This is the narrow road. It's less traveled for a reason. Because only the courageous walk on it. Only the godly are allowed on this road. And if you're going to walk with the Lord, you're going to endure persecution. You're going to endure suffering. You're going to endure hardship. But you're going to have the power to overcome. And you're going to have the power to see lives changed. And it's going to be awesome. Life is not meant to be easy. It's meant to be lived. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
He wants you to live life to the fullest, and it's more blessed to give than receive. You can sit back all you want and heap unto yourselves all the riches that this world has to offer and just be as miserable. I mean, you can have, air, you can have the finest of everything and not live at all, not live a single day. You only get one shot at this life. And if Peter could be a good shepherd, which he became a great shepherd, after all the dumb things he did, we can be good shepherds. Despite where we've been and what we've done, we can put the past behind us and we can press on towards that mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we can, we can see that crown just waiting on us. We can see, man, we can't wait to see him. When we see him, we want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We don't want to come in here in his presence like, I know, I know, I know. No, we want to say, here I am, Lord. Let me get my, my 18-wheeler full of crowns out. And cast them at your feet, Lord. All the fruit that I've produced for you. And it's Peter that tells us in 1 Peter 5, 4, when that chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. God loves his shepherds. So stop being a sheep. And move on over, cross on over to shepherdhood. Would you bow your heads? Is there anybody in here tonight that would first say, I'm not of his fold. I, I personally don't know Jesus. I know about him, but you know, if you, I don't really have a relationship. I don't recognize his voice. You know, I've wanted to. I wanted to hear his voice. But it just doesn't make sense to me. I read the Bible, and it's just, it, it's just a dead letter to me. It, it doesn't come alive to me. Well, maybe you've never made him Lord, and maybe your heart has never cried out, Abba, Father. Maybe he's never sent his spirit into your heart because there's never been true repentance. You might even have said the sinner's prayer eight times, but you're still living like the rest of the world, and there's no fruit. And he said a tree will be judged by its fruit. You'll know if they're mine if they follow my ways. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, man, he's just saying, put that behind you. Come on into my fold and let me care for you. Oh, I'll lead you beside the still waters. Man, I will anoint your head with oil until your cup runneth over, and goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Look, I've got a rod and a staff, and I'll beat off that devil, and I'll, I'll pull you back in line when you get out. I will, I will shepherd over you and love you with an everlasting love. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.